So I mentioned multiple times in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit would move upon a group of people and people would be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. There would be, uh, in in, a couple of instances, evidence of speaking in tongues. But it happened differently each time. Uh, In Acts chapter 10, interestingly enough, uh, Peter was preaching in Cornelius' house. He was just preaching the good news, preaching the gospel to Gentiles who weren't technically supposed to be in the room with Peter, but the Lord had visited Peter in a vision and let him know you needed to go to Cornelius' house through a set of circumstances. Peter gets in that home, declares Jesus, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit right there in that room just as someone was preaching, the Holy Spirit came. So he moves that way. Uh, This past Thursday night at, at the youth camp, uh, I've, I've experienced this multiple times through the years, uh, and I don't know how to explain this other than um, I, when I'm preaching, it's not like I'm feeling a bunch of stuff. I'm just operating in my calling and my gifting, but there's not a whole lot. I'm just being faithful to the assignment, right? But there are times when I can feel the room change, uh, and it doesn't happen all the time, uh, but when it does, it makes me think of what happened with Peter. This past Thursday night, I was just preaching a word on the holiness of God. I was preaching a word on I saw the Lord and His train filled the temple. Uh, And as I did, you could just sense the presence of the Lord begin to take over the room. It was a powerful night. And that's really what happened with Peter. He was just preaching. The Spirit of the Lord just settled on the home. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You move to Acts chapter 9, and Paul is visiting Ephesus. Now, he had been to Ephesus before, and had preached, and several people had gotten saved, and he moved on with his missionary journey. And then he came back to Ephesus, and he was met on the shore by a few of the believers. And on the shore, Paul laid his hands on them. He asked them a series of questions about, have you been filled with the Spirit? And, 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 and they had this discourse, but he put his hands on them. And there was an impartation, is what we would call it, where what was in him was imparted into them. The fullness of the Spirit touched them as he laid his hands on them, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit right there on a beach, right? A different scenario. And then we know in Acts 2, that was a very different occurrence. They had been in an upper room, we presume approximately 10 days, although they might have been visiting that room off and on the 40 days before Jesus ascended. But we assume for a period of at least 10 days, the 120, the disciples among them, but the 120 followers of Jesus were worshiping, they were praying, they were probably, uh, they were probably uh, reciting scripture, doing a lot of what would have been normal to them in their Jewish faith. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes in as they were praying, worshiping, and seeking. Nobody put a hand on anybody. Nobody preached a message. They just prayed, they worshiped, they waited, they sought the Lord, and he moved on them that way. So you have just three really specific instances in the book of Acts where people were filled with the Spirit, but the mechanics of it were different. That's important because if you're not careful, especially when you're in a Pentecostal persuasion and when you have a lot of history in a certain way of doing things, you will unfortunately inadvertently box God in and say, this is the way he has to do it. 
And, and I have found that, that even people who are revival people, uh, if you will, can box God into it has to look like this, be like this, sound like these are the mechanics. These are the rules of order. Um, but, but I've just found through Scripture, and I referenced it before. One time Jesus, you know, makes mud and heals a person's eyes. You know, another, another time he just speaks a word. One time he touches a coffin. He just does it differently. And so your experience with the Holy Spirit, uh, there's not a textbook for it, right? That it has to be this exact thing. The reason I point that out is in a little bit we're going to pray for a fresh infilling for us of the Holy Spirit, first time baptism in the Holy Spirit experiences. And it may happen in one way or another. You, you might be praying, worshiping, seeking as we worship and the Lord come upon you. Someone may lay their hands on you. Uh, and it, it might happen as you're walking out of the building. Listen, I, I, we did 10 years of camp and we saw some stuff. I don't, I don't know if I've told y'all this, this story. So there, our kids are at kids camp, right? When we started as district youth directors, I mean, our kids were two and nine months. We didn't know anything about kids. We, we, I mean, we were holding on for dear life, right? And now we're responsible for youth camp, which is like we've been doing youth ministry for a long time. We got this. And then the, the, the calendar turned to July and all those shorter ones started showing up. And that was terrifying like what do we do with these kids like I know what to do with the teenager I know how to I know how to nudge I know how to provoke what do I do with the kid I don't want to scare them y'all heard me preach I can be intense I promise I'm not mad I'm not mean this face just kind of goes stern and so I'm like how do I not terrify these kids but but we saw so many kids experience the power of the Lord with so little information so little experience so little history, but they would be standing in the presence of the Lord with tears rolling down their face, speaking in the tongues of angels, if you will, just kid after kid, hundreds, really thousands over the course of 10 years. Most of the time, it was pretty normal, I guess. We'd get them in the altars, leaders would minister, we'd have some worship going, God would move. There was one time when we're believing people are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Kids are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. God's moving on them. And I'm trying to steward the room, trying to make sure it's kids' camp. Make, you know, they'll, they'll drift to the back. They'll go find the bathroom. Listen, at camp, I, I, kids are wild. They'll go, to, 10 of them will go sit in a gross bathroom just because they don't want to be in the service, right? And so we're just kind of keeping kids in the right spot. And so I'm back in the seats area while all the leaders are ministering to the kids. And there's two boys fighting. Two kids fighting. I thought, my gosh, what are we doing? So I, you know, I went all dad on them. I got on them. They ain't my kids, but for this week, they are. <laughs> you sit here, you sit here. This is ridiculous. This is nonsense. Quit. Where are your leaders? My gosh. <laughs> And so I go back to the platform and get myself together. And, and not long after that, I say, hey, if you've never, you know, if you haven't yet received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I want you to come stand right here. And lo and behold, the two kids that were fighting come stand right there. And within like three minutes, both of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, you might be about to brawl right now. 
But you can get filled like that. I don't know what's in your heart right now, but it can turn on a moment, right? I, I just stuff like that that would happen. I mean, we would we would have kids that that would seek the Lord and then they'd get back to their bunk and be ready for bed and the Lord touch them and they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've shared stories about people being filled with the Holy Spirit walking down the aisle of the grocery store. There's no formula. There's no pattern. What is important is a heart that is open. I've referenced this multiple times and I don't, you know, I, I don't think repetition's bad. But what happened with Mary when the angel came to her and began to tell her that she was going to carry the Christ is one of the most fascinating moments in the Bible to me. And I I preached on it in December. I shared it on Wednesday nights. Her statement to the angel of be it unto me is is maybe, it might be the greatest, and that's probably too extreme, but it is one of the greatest announcements of faith that have ever crossed the lips of a human being. Because we know historically she did not really comprehend what was happening. She wasn't educated. She was illiterate. There's no way because she was in her teen years that she had the ability to articulate what was going on. Who did? You're going to carry the Son of God. What in the world does that mean? But all of the intellect and all of the puzzle pieces coming together and, and being able to articulate it was not a requirement for God to do a work in her. I value us trying to piece it together. I do. I, I, I work hard every week when I preach to do my best to try to fill every blank, close every loophole, uh, to, to touch all of my bases because I think our brains matter. It matters to be faithful with study and to be faithful with trying to understand in our mind. But we have to be careful to not limit God to I can only experience what I can understand or articulate because God is still a mystery. And we have to be willing at times to say, Lord, I I can't connect all the dots, but I have faith to believe. I, I can't explain it. I've I'm probably going to have to study on this a couple more months and a couple more years, but God is so good, he'll give you an experience now so that you can study and fill in the gaps from the experience. That's not always the way it works in society. We think, like, I got to go to college, and I got to get my degree, and in certain fields, I got to get my master's, and I got to get my doctorate, and then I can start the job and start you know, reaping the benefits of all that study. But with the Lord, a lot of times, you have the experience. It's the same way with salvation. You did not have it all figured out. God moved upon you. You said yes to him. And then you have spent the rest of your day since studying up and catching up to the experience you had back then when you didn't know anything, right? So it's the same thing with the infilling of the Holy Spirit to a degree At some point, we just have to yield ourselves and say, God, if you are doing something, I want what you are doing. And then I trust you that anything I ask you for, you're going to be faithful to give me a good thing. You are going to protect me. You aren't going to give me a bad thing, right? And so just being open in that way. And as we've 
uh, through the years learned, there's two key words, I believe, when it comes to seeking the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Patience and persistence. He can move upon you suddenly, but at times it requires being patient, and it requires being persistent, continuing to seek. When it says, knock and the door shall be open, seek and you'll find, ask and it'll be given, the implied idea in knock, seek, ask is like a continuation of those things. Not, I knock once and we'll see what happens. It's, I'm going to just keep knocking until the door opens. I'm going to keep seeking until I find. And so there is a degree of persistence that sometimes is, is needed and God is wise beyond us and I don't know. When I, I didn't do any seeking. I was 12 years old and had an encounter with God. My seeking, I've told y'all, was like I went from one side of the room because I was uh, needing to get my life right with the Lord, and then I went to the other side of the room because it looked fun. And it just so happened that I walked right into being filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, I didn't, I didn't, there was no seeking, there was just availability, right? And so being patient, being persistent. And the last thing that I want to touch on when it comes to the infilling of the Holy Spirit is, uh, and the band can go ahead and start coming back up. I told you I'd be brief. This is like, y'all ain't going to get this often in case you ain't figured it out. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you all right now, you need to, you need to enjoy this treat. <laughs> I started touching on it a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And interestingly, when you get to 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church who, who has a fascination with the gifts. and He's trying to help them understand how to operate in the gifts in a way that's healthy and orderly and appropriate, right? He's not saying hold back the gifts or control the gifts per se. He's saying like there is a, a way to do this and you need to have the right mindset. So within 1 Corinthians 14, there was a line in there where Paul makes the statement that the spirit is subject to the prophet. And what he was saying is everybody needs to understand that the Holy Spirit works in conjunction with you as a human. And that means the gifts of the Spirit that he gives, they are subject to you. As in, you can choose to hold your tongue and not operate in them, or you can choose to express them. You can choose to prophesy or not, right, as the Lord begins to lead you. You have some matter of choice in it. What Paul, in part, was trying to help them understand is, is the Holy Spirit doesn't come upon you and you lose all control of your faculties necessarily. Hey, you are an active participant in the experience. And I think through the years there has, you know, just been a little uncertainty in this area of like, so tongues, does that, does that just kind of happen and the Holy Spirit does it? And I would say, yes, the Holy Spirit moves upon you, but you the human have to operate in some measure of faith and express what's happening in you. We have the ability, once you are filled with the Spirit and you have the gift of tongues and a prayer language, you have the ability to pray in tongues or not because it is subject to your choosing, right? 
Now that's not to say that we eliminate the category of God can come over you and rock you in such a way that you don't know what planet you're on. Because that can happen. He's God. And remember I said early in this series, I am going to be really careful along the way to not eliminate possibility unless it is just explicit in the Bible. So when we ask to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I think the simplest approach is I'm going to ask the Lord. And this is whether you've experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit or you just want a fresh touch from God. I'm going to ask the Lord for it. And then I am going to, in faith, begin to express my heart to the Lord. I'm going to reach out to Him. You know, when we say yield, that does, we already talked about that a couple weeks ago. That doesn't mean... That means, like, I am open. I am expressing to the Lord. I am reaching out to God. I'm communicating to Him. I am making myself available. By engaging with him. And along the way, the presence of the Lord will move on you. And the way I've communicated to young people for years when it comes to receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit for the first time. Is when you sense something happening in you. And I don't really know how to describe it other than something is different that's going on in me. Emotions may be tapped. I may feel it in my body, but the Lord, when you feel like the Lord's doing something in you, then whatever's in you, in faith, begin to let it out of you, to verbalize it, to speak. And there's nobody to judge anything. You and the Lord are operating as dear friends, and He's moving in your life. And whatever phrases, whatever utterances, whatever uh, syllables you feel in here or you feel it through your mind, just let them out. And I've always told young people, look, it's not for me to decide what you did or didn't get. If it feels alive, go for it. But what Dutch Sheet said years ago, he said somebody was asking him, hey, how do I know if it's me or God? And he was talking about like hearing the voice of God, speaking a word, praying in the Spirit. How do I know if it's me or God? And I bet a lot of people have asked that question at some point in time. And I thought Dutch Sheets' answer was brilliant. Sometimes it's God. Sometimes it's me. It's always us. Because He's in me. We're in partnership. We're in fellowship. We're in union. And so we don't operate in fear. We're not, we're not afraid of like, well, am I being fake? Am I? It's you and him. And your heart is open. And you're yielded. And you're expressing your heart and faith to him. And you're saying, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm available. And I'm going to operate in faith. And it can happen in a whole lot of ways. And I'll just be transparent. A lot of ministers don't talk about this stuff. They don't present opportunity for this stuff because you can't control this stuff. And when you're in charge, it's hard to present things that you can't control the outcome. 
because if you're insecure and nothing happens it'll hit your sense of validation but for me this ain't my gift it's the Lord's and so to the best of my ability as I lead this church I'll always try to make room for things I can't control now we're not going to be out of control but what does that even mean We'll figure it out as we go. But we do have some experience in that. So I'd, I'd want us over the next few moments, we're going to worship again. And then we're just going to ask you to come forward. No pressure, no coercion, no, no forced anything. Nobody's, nothing mandatory. Nobody has to do anything. You're grown, right? We've established that on Wednesdays. You're grown. You have personal agency. I can't make you do anything. I just want to present opportunity. And say, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, or you have at some point, but you're feeling dry, you're just like, I just want something fresh. Maybe we were worshiping a minute ago, and you saw other people that it looked like something was happening in them, and you're like, I'm trying. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I just want to believe that tonight the Lord's going to move over you, right? And some of you, you might, I mean, you might be a live wire all the time. You're just like one of those that's like, well, there's always more. That was always me. I, I was just a, there's always more. So I'm going to go for it. So let's stand up and let's spend some time worshiping. Pastor Zach and the team will lead us and uh, whatever is in their heart. And then I'll just let you know in a moment. Uh, and if you want to receive, we'll come forward. We'll minister friend to friend. Pastor, we'll just see what the Lord does. Cool. Would you just in some way open your heart up to the Lord right now and would you just begin to tell him, I'm available, I'm yielded, I just want you to work in my life. Some of you that have a prayer language, you might just want to go ahead and start using it, seasoning the atmosphere. It doesn't have to be loud, it doesn't have to be anything, but just in faith we're reaching out. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this room. We don't say that as if you're not already here. We say it to put honor on you, as in we want you. We acknowledge your presence. We sense your goodness. And we want you to know that you are precious to us, Holy Spirit. That you are valuable to us, Holy Spirit. You're more valuable than gold. You're more valuable than riches. Holy Spirit, we desire you. We need you. We, we understand on some level that, that we have need of you. And we ask that you move among us. Let's just worship and open ourselves up.